We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas of Miami Heat Beat, and I'm here to introduce you to our newest partner. Which, like us, and if you know me, you know how Miami I am. This is pure South Florida. And it's Doral Toyota, where you can find all your favorite Toyota models. Whether you're looking for a new, used, or certified pre-owned vehicle, Doral Toyota is located at 9775 Northwest 12th Street, just a few blocks from the International and Dolphin Mall. Experience the Doral difference, which means four years complimentary maintenance and roadside assistance on all new vehicles. And let me tell you something, that peace of mind is, you cannot buy that. I mean, I know when I got a new car and it wasn't at Doral Toyota, I was upset because of how many problems I was having and I was wishing I had something like this, a dealer being accountable and helping me, you know. Um, Also, if you mention Miami Heat Beat when you call 305-680-1129 or come in, you'll get to work with a dedicated manager not a salesperson. So it's someone who's high up, who's willing to work with you and, and just, just mention us. They'll help you out. Unlike other dealers, Doral Toyota prides itself on honest and transparent buying service. That's Doral Toyota. DoralToyota.com or stop in at 9775 Northwest 12th Street. Se habla español aquí in Doral Toyota. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Heapy Podcast. I'm your host, Giancarlo Navas. And with me today, we have producer and co-founder, Mr. Brian Goins. Hello. We have our Photoshopper and anime lover, Mr. Brass Jazz. What's up, everybody? We have our recurring guest of recurring guests from Sports Illustrated, Rohan and Cardi. Did I say your name right this time? No. One of these days. Damn it. Hey, it's so hard. Say it. Nod Kearney. Has it Nad not? Yeah. Nad Cardi. I'm gonna get it right, Rohan. I'm gonna get it right one day. I can't spell. I've had Rohan. I consider Rohan a friend, and I can't say his no, name. No, he's pretty much an honorary member of Miami Heapy at this he point. He is. Rohan's honorary. Um, and we have South Florida's own Will Manso on the program again. Welcome back, Will. At least you said Manso and not Manzo. No, no, I, I know, I know Manso. <laughs> Will, you are a staple of South Florida media. I have to know your name. I get called Manzo and Manson all the time. I won't say names. They're not involved in this conversation, but it happens. It's a lot. Shapiro. It's Shapiro. You can say it. <laughs> no, it's Clay Ferreira. <laughs> Clay's the nicest guy in the world. I felt bad. The only time we've had Clay on, it was after the Olenek contract, and I just yelled about Olenek for the whole show. And we um, talked about Miami traffic. We talked about Miami traffic. So 
Today's program, as always, is brought to you by the Five Reason Sports Network, started by Ethan Skolnick and Chris Whittingham. The Dolphins won yesterday at three yards per carry, and Five Reasons has you covered on the Dolphins' win. Uh, O.J. McDuffie's podcast, The Fish Tank. We have fantasy. We have everything that you would want here at Five Reasons, so check out everything on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. And also, little housekeeping note, we are having a watch party for the season opener against the Orlando Magic. Brian will be at the game as media up in Orlando, and down here we are holding it down. Alf, me, Christian, Alex, Kate, everyone who's down here in South Florida, we're going to go to the Duffies in North Miami, Poolside and Oceanside. It's a great location. Uh, Check that out. I know we've tweeted uh, ad nauseum about it, so please bear with us with our promotion, but we're going to have drink specials, and we're also having a spelling G. If you beat me in a spelling B, which is very easy, you are going to win prizes. Uh, so that'll be a lot of fun. That'll be Wednesday, October 17th for the season opener against the Orlando Magic. Duffy's in North Miami. Again, poolside. Come in. Come in your bathing suit. Have some fun. You could, you could even come in in your boat. They have a dock. It's It's awesome. Honestly, it's a really awesome location, and we're super excited for that and our friends at Duffy's. Okay, tip boys. Tip off at 7, too. Tip off at 7. Early tip off. Remember that. That You know, those those 7 o'clock tip offs always kill attendance. That's early, and it's hard on the 95. And then um, just a quick, quick, quick note address. Oh, my God. The address. Jesus, right. We're just, this is not an info. 69 Northeast, 163rd <laughs> Street, North Miami. We just did two and a half minutes of, of commercial just so we can get to the good stuff. Okay, gentlemen, heat season starts. Wednesday, we have had a preseason. Uh, we kind of odd because a lot of guys that we know are going to be in the rotation, like Wayne Ellington, James Johnson, haven't played yet. Will, I know you're around the team. Is is JJ going to be ready? I don't think so. No, I don't think he'll be ready for Wednesday. But I think he's going to be ready pretty soon. He practiced in full for the first time yep. uh, at Sports Ernia just today. So uh, he's going to be back soon. I think if it was up to him, he'd play Wednesday. But I think training <laughs> staff are going to probably be a little more cautious. That, like, I remember when the news came out that he had a sports hernia surgery. Like, on one hand, we were like, that that doesn't surprise us because he did look hindered last season. Kind of, he lost some explosiveness. And on the other hand, we're like, how the hell did he play a full damn season with that? I mean, I see you shaking your head. Like, that's crazy. Yeah, and I, and I almost part of me felt bad because... JJ's not the type that's going to tell you something wrong. And obviously the Heat staff is tight-lipped when it comes to injuries. They don't sit there and, like, give you all the information. I had heard he wasn't feeling 100%, but who does during an NBA season? But then he's got a sports hernia, and they say to himself, all those times that I would throw things and be like, why, why aren't you dunking it? Why, why aren't you getting this rebound? Because the year before, the JJ we saw was an explosive Sure. Yeah, and he didn't do that last year. And I think that – I don't want to make excuses for him, but, guys, I think that's a legit excuse – I couldn't do this podcast if I had a sports hernia, let alone play that. So, none of us, the kinds of injuries that guys play with, like, we wouldn't go to work. Like, I don't know. I've, I play pickup basketball. If I jam my finger, you know, I, I don't want to go to work the next day. And these guys are crazy. It's insane. You, walked, you got yourself out of a watch party because you, like, had, you, you broke your foot or something? No, or no. I, I hurt my foot playing volleyball, so I don't have to go to that Levitard event in Fort Lauderdale, which is far from me, okay? I'm in Kendall. You know, <laughs> I don't want to drive all the way over there. Um, Rohan, I know that uh, JJ was one of the best defenders one on one the season before the, the season before he got the contract. Like, I, I kind of I'm kind of curious how they're gonna manage the Justice JJ thing because now you know Justice got that extension. They've really committed to him, and they're very similar. I've always said that if Justice became what JJ was that season that got him the contract, I'm ecstatic. Because that'd be, like, amazing. I don't know how you feel about playing them both together. It's interesting. On one hand, you know, Justice, I think early last season, was getting a lot of opportunities to play that J.J. role to an extent. He was playing a lot of power forward. He was guarding bigger guys. And then in the playoffs, you kind of saw him step into a little bit more of a 3 and D role, right? Like, he was playing more small forward. He was guarding Ben Simmons, guarding smaller guys. I agree that the way the league is going, you want more James Johnson types on your team. If you could create a team of five James Johnsons, I think you'd be really successful. You want people who can handle the ball, who can shoot a little bit, defend multiple positions. What's interesting for the Heat specifically, they need a wing player still. They need someone who can just play <laughs> small forward in the NBA. <clears throat> Jimmy Butler. <clears throat> they just, they don't, even Jimmy Butler, I mean, it's a little bit more of a shooting guard, right? I mean, I'm not saying he'd be a bad pickup, but he's Otto Porter is what they need. Like, exactly. A That's guy exactly like that. The kind of player they need. So I think 
for Justice, it's interesting. We all remember him, you know, playing at center his rookie year in the playoffs. Yes. He definitely has that potential, but for this team specifically, he's almost needed most, like you mentioned, in an auto porter type role, in just that pure 3D guy, because I think that's what this roster is lacking more than anything else. When you see the imbalance with all the guards and all the big men, they just need one guy who they can count on on the wing. My thing with that is that they have... So last season, they were a very good defensive team, top 10 for most of the year. It was the offense that struggled at the time, and that's going to kind of live and die with their shooting, and they haven't been able to really correct that, especially this offseason. So my concern with the Justice and JJ thing is that while Justice was a better shooter, it wasn't necessarily at volume, and that's really not going to crack open the defense. And I think more importantly, he doesn't have gravity. Right, so like Wayne Ellington, a lot of the talk last season was Wayne has gravity. Wayne comes off a pick, and he has like four guys following him. So I'm just concerned offensively on what this team's going to do, especially with Dwayne having a bigger role for more of the season. He's a non-shooter from three. JJ's not really a reliable volume shooter. Justice is better, but you know, not not at volume. So no pun intended on that. Um, that's kind of where yeah, that's that's where I am with that. Like I'm concerned with the shooting and all that. I don't know what you and Will think about. Well, I think two things. One, back to Justice. I think you guys know as well as I do is that they want him handling the ball. And the one thing they've worked with him is basically being a point guard. I mean, and I think we're going to see a lot of that from Justice during the season. They don't have a true backup point guard. And and we know Dragon is a guy that they're going to count on for a lot of minutes, but you can't run him into the ground. Somebody else has to have the ball. And J.J.'s shown to do it before, and I think he will. And there'll be times in late-game situations where Dwayne may have the ball. But what I'm talking about in the intermediate parts of the game, late in the first, early in the second, I think that's where you see Justice have that role. Uh, I think from a shooting perspective, too, guys, the, the one guy they really want to see shoot threes, I think, is Kelly Olynyk, uh, And Kelly is a guy that I think at volume has shown that he can shoot threes. And I, last year he was getting that comfort level. They were trying to figure out how to use him. I think one way they clearly want to use him is outside and being a threat from outside because unlike Justice, who can stand on there on an island and the team will say, go ahead, Justice, shoot threes. I don't care that your numbers say you're 38%. Go ahead and shoot them. Philly Kelly did. Attention. Kelly absolutely attracts attention. Not to the degree Wayne does, who's glued with the half the team chasing him, but I think those are two aspects where they want to they want to see Justice handle the ball and they want to see Kelly become that spot up threat from three consistently game in and game out that they use him that way. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point by Will. I mean, we actually we did a story with Justice over the summer and speaking to him. You could tell that the organization in general is really supportive of this idea of him playing point guard. It's something that he specifically worked a lot, worked on a lot over the summer was his ball handling. And then beyond that, when you hear like Dragic being mentioned in trade rumors, I think that's even a, another I, a sensor that you they really want Justice handling the ball. Uh, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, you, I think the Heat and I experienced it firsthand when they saw what Ben Simmons did to them in the playoffs. And Ben's obviously a non-shooter. I'm not saying Justice can turn into him overnight, but <laughs> you have someone like him on the ball, it makes him a lot harder to defend than simply leaving him in the corner. But we're talking about like point justice a lot, but still in the preseason, he ranked near the bottom of the ball handlers in pick and roll possessions, which kind of like bugs me because I know yeah. him to be a guy who can get to the rim. Like Roddy Bergruder has been amazing in pick and roll in the preseason. But way more possessions. Yeah. Way more. Ryan's talking has written multiple stories about preseason Rodney and, uh, while Ronnie's done really well, he's like I think he's like the 80th, 9th percentile or something as a pick and roll ball handler. We still want more possessions for Winslow. You guys just said it though preseason, and I, and I think that's where Spo. You know, Spo didn't have all his parts, and, and we've already talked about obviously Dion being out, JJ being out, Wayne's been a little banged up, uh, Bam and Josh and Jay Ray missed some time. I think Spo's really trying to figure out some of these other guys because you guys know this well that he'd have like up to 10, 12 rotation guys. I don't know how the hell Spo's going to figure out game in and game out who to use who to use primary with the ball who to use off the ball who to use as a shooter I mean we're talking about so many things in the game the first game's Wednesday and I don't think we have a firm answer I'm not even sure Spo has a firm answer on exactly the way he wants to work this rotation does Spo have a starting lineup yet? no does Spo ever have a starting lineup Brian? Ever. Can I tell you something, you guys, in preparation for our pregame, because we have like our studio show on Wednesday, and I will tell you, I get some emails and stuff and information that I'm not supposed to share, like just info and stuff that we all get from, you know, yeah, yeah. what to build graphics and to do things. It's just for reading. There is nothing I can tell you that There is no, you know what I mean? Like there is truly, Spo is keeping this close to him and he is not letting people know because I think he's still finalizing in these last 48 hours how he's going to go into these first three games this week. 
I don't. Dwayne starting the first uh, first game though. No, I don't think so. No, no. no. Maybe the, maybe home games. I don't. I don't know. Like that has to be a conversation that they've had. Like that's not so. I think that the Dwayne thing has to be something that they decided. That cannot be like supposed for last minute. Hey, Dwayne, you're starting. You're not starting. No, he hundred percent makes a lot of sense. I, I think he knows he's coming off the bench. Yeah. I, I I do too. I just uh, we welcome in our professional screw up Alex Toledo, who's fifteen minutes late. Say hi, Alex. Does your mic even work? <laughs> his mic, of course, doesn't work. He's that is the most on brand thing I've ever seen in my life. Alex is late, and his mic doesn't work. Our first regular season podcast of the season. Give a round of applause to Woo-hoo! Alex. Always on brand as a professional screw up. Yeah. So the Dwayne thing, that, that I I just can't imagine that that's like up up in the air. Um, I talked to Haberstro uh, at media day. And we were talking about just like this team is going to have so many three guard lineups because of kind of what Rohan was saying. There's no like small forward guy. Mm-hmm. I was joking. Luol Dang, like from a couple of years ago, would kind of be perfect uh, in, in in that role that they need. And there's just nobody cheap available to fill that void of that wing. They have, and oddly, they have a lot of like quality bigs. That's not really a thing in the league now, but they have a lot of really good guys that can play center. Yeah, it's just weird. I mean, to Will's point about just the rotation, I I, I have no clue. I've, I've tried to figure it out for the longest time. Like, I'm writing about lineups this week for SI and just thinking about the heat. I mean, what do they do? You, you guys mentioned Magruder a little bit in the preseason. He's going to be battling for minutes with Tyler. But then what about when Dion comes back? You know, Jay Rich should be playing shooting guard almost exclusively. And we haven't even mentioned Wade yet. I, I Is just, he? What's that? I'm not sure that Jay Rich is going to be playing shooting guard. I think they're going to have him as well. Oh, man, he's been playing so well in the preseason at the two. I don't think they can take him out of that spot. But, like, when Wayne comes back, what are they going to do? Well, Wayne's going to be off the bench. That's not going to be an issue. I think. No, but they're going to have to, like, those lineups. They're going to have to carve out minutes for Magruder because he's been so good. I don't know how they're going to do that. I don't know. You haven't even mentioned Derek Jones Jr. Yeah. Who they re-signed. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what the hell? Is he you know, what does he do? I don't the know. Kids, the player on the team, maybe him and Bam, but I mean, certainly from high flying. What do you do with Derek Jones Jr.? How do you find him minutes? I think that that's going to be. I think that Derek Jones Jr. Bam. There's going to be a lot of really fun athletic lineups that they can throw out. I mean, if we really think about it, they haven't really had a lot of run and gun, super high flying lineups. Even. I mean, I know we joke about the flying death machine, uh, LeBron Heat, but those teams were a bunch of old guys. I think the last like, person I can think of like that would have been Jamario Moon. That's the first person I think of when I think of Derrick Jones Jr. No, but I, I just mean like... I just, Throwback, yes. I just mean like in terms of a lineup, like they didn't have... The, like just they have a they have guys that like Tyler and and Winslow and Jay Rich that are spam Derek Jones that are springy they have a lot of really springy guys that they can throw out in a really fast fun lineup that I think is kind of probably the first time in the Spolstra era that they've had that because even I think Tyler you know not to make too much of the preseason but if there's one guy who's kind of taken a step back as far as to his important. I guess the importantness of him going into his importance going into the season. Tyler, you look at you say to yourself, "My God, we have such an excess at this position." And what does? Where do you use Tyler, and how? That's going to be a tough question because I, I know Eric isn't going to make decisions based on money, but we obviously know the contract Tyler has. How do they use him, and where? And do you really take away minutes from some of these other guys we mentioned just to kind of force feed Tyler? When do you decide? Is it within a game before the game? There's just. Again, I don't envy Spoh's position because he's just got way too many decisions night in and night out. Yeah, and the problem is there's no there's no obvious answer either as to who he should bench. Like all these guys are pretty good. If you know, none of them's outright bad, right? I mean, Tyler obviously struggled, you know, against Philadelphia has struggled at times a bit in the preseason, but there was a reason why he got offered that contract from the Nets in the first place. Like, he is a decent player, like. To Will's point, it is tough because he can't really play point guard. We've seen that experiment go over. It doesn't go over very well. He gets pressured in the backcourt. Uh, yeah, I just – all these guys are capable in their own ways. I have no – I don't even know where to begin to start making the mix of right people. I mean, it could simply come down to the matchups every single night. And, and even then, we know Spo is the kind of person who doesn't always have that flexibility with his rotation within games. So I, I don't know if he's going to be even willing to make those – kind of rapid adjustments just based on who they're playing every night. He's strange because suppose a guy that's like super prisoner to habit, but he also has a lot of flexibility with like stuff like starting lineups, but he's so married to, if this guy comes off the bench, like first, he's so married to that for months, but the starting lineup is something that he'll like, 
he'll toss and he'll change. Like that, he's always been kind of quirky that way. I think this team, though, this roster is going to change him. And just in talking to him the preseason and you guys, some of the things he said, I mean, he really is looking forward to the versatility and the options he has. I think sometimes you're locked into certain seven, eight guys you know you're going to play, but the Heat don't have that. Look, another guy, I hate to – it's like it's funny how when we talk about this team, we try to answer questions, and every time we try to answer a question, we ask new questions. It's like a, it's like a, a, a layers, you know. It just keeps going and going. Deion Waiters is another one. He's going to come back at some point, and we saw how well Deion – Dion and Gordon played in that whole 7-11 thing a couple of years ago. got to put him on the court when he's healthy. In what role, what capacity? Is he going to be the finisher? Or are you going to put the ball in his hands? That's just something else Spo has to think about once he's healthy. Well, I have a question for you. Is okay. Do you think Dion's going to play this season? I do. Yeah, I do. You do? I, think, I, I do. I think Dion, look, he had to. We all knew – after he signed it, we heard the news, we kind of all said, well, what the heck was that all about? You signed him this long-term deal and he's got a bum ankle. And then why didn't he have the surgery before? And I get it, he wanted to get his big contract. And the timeline was always eight to 10 months. I mean, we, that's all we kept hearing, eight months, nine months. I don't think he'll be on full strength to maybe into past Thanksgiving, maybe in full strength. So maybe they don't even bring him back before then. But I think at some point, in the season, 15, 20 games in, I think Dion should be healthy, should be in shape, which obviously everybody talks about with Dion as being in, in good shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason he couldn't, I don't want to say pick up where he left off because he was pretty damn good for that 20, 25 game stretch two years ago. <laughs> but if anything close to that, that's a big, big plus for the Heat and what they're trying to do. It, I just, I, my thing with Dion is that he's such a plus player when he's healthy. I think defensively, we don't talk about enough. How good of an on-ball defender he is when he's... That's when I knew that he wasn't right because he was not moving in angles well defensively. He he looked like... Dion's never a guy that I always... That I felt quit on defense. I know that he gets a lot of slack on social media and stuff, but he's never been a guy to just like straight up quit on defense, like not chasing guys around. That's when I kind of knew something was wrong. I just think that there's just, there's just too much going on with this roster. This is the Five Reason Sports Network. Miami Sports On Demand. We now have 13 podcasts in the network posting roughly 15 times per week, all absolutely free. Find all of our shows on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Podbean. Plus, become a member of our patron feed and you'll get even more fresh content. We are on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Here's some of what you missed last week on Cinco Razones when they talked to George Sedano. No, están frustrados, no, yo lo entiendo, yo entiendo. Y, y Pat Riley también está frustrado. Van ya dos veces que le ha colgado el teléfono a Tom Thibodeau y le ha dicho que se vaya para el carajo. <laughs> if you want to get involved as a sponsor or a contributor, reach out to us at number five Reason Sports on Twitter. Don't forget to punch five reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe. We welcome in Ethan Skolnick, founder of Five Reasons. Hello, Ethan. We have a party. What do you mean we have, we a, have party? a party? Do you not see all seven people in this chat? I, I don't. I've got. Wait, hold on. I need as to small as we may be. It's a prereq. Oh my god, Alex, you sound horrible. Right. God, god, Alex, your mic. You're, you're, Alex, yeah, your mic is so oh loud, god. and you're not answering any of the text messages we send you. God, you're terrible. Is uh is Armando just gonna take whatever we do on this uh, chat <laughs> and not cite it? Yep, oh, hold, hold on one second. Oh my god! Oh look, and now we welcome in George. See, everyone's on time. George, how are you? <laughs> look, we have a party. <laughs> he looks very confused. Might as well get in the spirit. George, can you hear us? We're doing live on-air production. Okay. Um. Well, thank you so much. Um, for joining us, we really appreciate your time. You got it, bro. You are the best, sir. Enjoy your evening. Uh, Rohan, I know that you have a bone to pick with Ethan, so I'm going to let you pick uh, pick your bone. I'm getting replaced by a better version of me? (laughs) You know, Will, you guys look so alike that in my DMs, I have you and Sedano because I was DMing with you guys to schedule the guests, and your profile pictures look way too much alike. Let me say, I've taken too many (laughs) selfies people at an event. So it's all good. It's fine. (laughs) Well, to be honest, I can tell you the one time I was absolutely confused for Will, and I think I told you this, Will, I was at a Heat family fest, um, and Dion Waiters' uncle came up to me and was talking to me about how much he loved me on the broadcast. <laughs> I immediately was like, oh, he must be, he must think I'm Will. <laughs> That's funny. Because I haven't been on this broadcast in like three years. That's right. You were on the broadcast. Yeah. 
Rohan. Oh, listen, I probably won't be back on the broadcast anytime, anytime soon. So that's <laughs> oh, probably not. Oh, and George, I, I, have a, I have a bone to pick with you about LA later. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to you in a second. Wait, wait, is it okay for, for us to call Sedano a motherfucker on this podcast and hang up on him? Like, 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 George, I stand by you. I, does he, does he propaganda if he didn't Listen, do that? I, I, I believe I, you. All, all I have to say is this, okay? I respect Pat like anyone else, as much as anyone else. I named my damn dog Riley, okay? Um, but, and I respect his denial of it. I stand by what I was told. And by the way, it wasn't a report. Okay, I wasn't going and calling the Bristol news desk <laughs> telling them that you didn't Pat touch Riley's... Chuck Salatoro. <laughs> I actually said this on the jump days ago yes, and somehow right. it got aggregated like four days later. Like if it was something I had said like that moment, <laughs> um, it was going on Snake Arizona's. That's what did it. Uh, maybe, maybe that was it. But uh, yeah, look, I mean, I, I, I'm over it. I'm moving on from it. It is what it is, right? Like, honestly, I think his his statement actually kind of validates my uh, my position on it. But it's fine. Whatever. I feel I his care. his statement's just as good because he doesn't deny doing it to Danny Ainge, which was just incredible. No, well, you can't deny that. Jesus, it wasn't right. a press time, release. Time Donovan, as you call him, wasn't a press release. Don, it was it was Donovan stepping out of the locker room and making sure he had it right. But it was. Yeah. So so anyway, long story short um i stand by what i said but i respect pat denying it and that's fine george you're killing it on the jump by the way that show is awesome consistently great thank you buddy i appreciate it rachel makes that show what it is and without her um nobody else is on there she is unbelievable at what she does she has and deserves the respect of everyone in the sports world for what she's been able to accomplish with that show the whole show is her vision and i'm just lucky to be you know a part of it in any way shape or form so I appreciate her letting me on it. I appreciate her letting me fill in on it. I think it's the best basketball show in, in the world, so it's yeah, great. I, we wrote that for SI last year. I think it's easily the best basketball show. Um, George, is that your SB speech? <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't give out SBs for shows on ESPN. That kind of uh, that's Listen, uh, Rohan. Ethan here for once. Yes. Listen, I, you yeah, know what? I've been a fan of yours since the season ticket, blog days, you know, go way back. Nah. But ever since you turned into a media mogul, ever since you turned into a media mogul, Ethan, you've just been so ornery all the time. <laughs> oh my God. Well, Dude, my, wife, well, my wife actually media said media. that. So funny. My wife said to me the other day, she's like, why is Ethan always so angry on social media? <laughs> going after everyone on Twitter now. And when they asked me to do this podcast, I was like, I don't want to get on Ethan's shit list. <laughs> it's novice. It's novice. Whatever. Yeah. Are we on the podcast already? Is that uh, how this yeah, works? Yeah. No. No. Yeah. This, George, you've been uh, on. You know how this works. I, I don't. I don't remember, man. Okay. I'm sorry. So, excuse me. All right. I'm gonna actually though. This is. It's obviously George and Ethan are the headliners here, so I'm gonna log off though. Oh, no, Rohan. You and Will were the headliners. That's why you went first. That's but, why you went first. Thank you guys for having me on. Uh, I'm looking forward to listening to this and uh, enjoy the season. I'm sure I'll talk to you guys soon. Rohan is the best. Thank you for always coming. Rohan, on. I'm going to start trashing you on Twitter. Do. As soon I can as we use the clout. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cloud chasing Rohan. <laughs> no, all publicity is good publicity, man. Thank you, Facts. sir. All, all right, right, Ethan. I haven't talked to you in about a week and a half. What the hell's going on with Jimmy Butler? What's going on with Jimmy Butler? It's Monday night. Yes. So, I, I mean, look, um, when we had Bobby Marks on, he thought there was a real possibility that would get get done by today, and I've seen Bobby on on Twitter is kind of backtracked he's walked that, that a little back. bit. Yeah, he's walked that back some. So, uh, look, I, I just don't think it's sustainable. I'm going to hold to that. Um, you know, the two things we've reported consistently from the very beginning here were that you know the two things were, weren't getting reported elsewhere were a uh, that Jimmy wanted to be with the Heat, and b that the Heat were trying to get Jimmy. Now, both of those things have been confirmed over and over and over and over. And it's just the heat, guys. There's no other team. And as Bobby said, you know, if any of the teams that had cap space wanted to do it, they would have done it already. Um, there's no reason, you know, I, I mean, there's no reason for them to go all in on him when he's going to be a free agent after the season and he's not coming back there. So the only chance that Minnesota had to drum up a market for him at this stage was if they got a team that doesn't have cap space that has championship aspirations. There's only one team. That's Houston. And they are, have never put P.J. Tucker on the table. And I've heard that Mike D'Antoni will not put P.J. Tucker on the table. That's his decision on this. He's made it very clear inside the front office. 
uh, Stefano Fasaro, who's actually on our preview pod, which we're releasing in the morning, uh, has said that repeatedly, that Mike doesn't want to do that. And so there's no other market. So the only question is this. It's how long can Minnesota put on this travesty that everybody's getting along there? Now, I will say we had Stan on our pod yesterday. And Stan, when we talked about to him about stars not getting along, he says, well, so do 29 other teams. Like, that's not uncommon. But it's the depth of what's going on behind the scenes there, the lack of trust for a lot of personal reasons between Towns and Butler, the lack of professional trust between uh, between Butler and Wiggins, and then the issue between Glenn Taylor and Tibbs where, you know, from everything I've heard, you know, Tibbs wants out but wants to get his money, and Taylor wants him out but doesn't want to give him his money, and so that's playing into this situation as well. So – while everybody was focused on mother bleeper date uh, last week, <laughs> what I actually did say that no one seemed to notice was that this deal died because um, Tibbs got greedy. And what was on the table, to my knowledge, was Josh Richardson, whether it's formal or informal, you know, I, I don't know if he was officially on the table or not on the table. The discussion surrounded, okay, so what if we give you Josh? We got to fill the cap space there. So my guess was Dion, and then a protected first round pick. That was my understanding. And then Tibbs came back and got greedy. And then let's just say things got contentious, right? If we want to argue semantics over uh, what was said or not said, whatever. <laughs> I'm, again, I'm not arguing with Pat. Pat has my utmost respect. I, I want to move on from that. But to the actual story, that to my knowledge is what was on the table. Um, uh, again, potentially on the table, right? So with that said, um, I feel like Minnesota's not getting anything better than that. And as Ethan kind of pointed out already, there's just not another shooter that's going to give them what they want. Uh, look, Mike D'Antoni likes having a short bench. I get that. But if he brought in Jimmy Butler and traded Gordon and P.J. Tucker, he'd have no bench. So you can't go and play as short a bench as D'Antoni rides with usually seven guys. Um, you can't just ride five. Um, so that creates a bit of a problem with them depth-wise. So I, I do think that Miami's really their only viable option. And Glenn Taylor's going to have to step in again to kind of make this thing happen. Um, I saw Shams's report and Woj's report and Stein's report today that everything is kind of dead for now. And that seems to be the case. Um, though I, I have been kind of out of commission because I've been sick. I've had strep throat for three days. Jeez. So I am, uh, I have not necessarily been on my phone very much. Um, but to Ethan's point, which is that another team with cap space would have to step in. He's absolutely right. And I know that, um, neither Brooklyn, uh, nor the Knicks, um, are interested in making a deal for a guy that they can have in free agency for nothing. They're not interested in doing that. Steve Mills actually said that, I believe, uh, to the assembled media in New York, not that long ago. And, you know, I know that to be the case with, with the Nets and to my knowledge, and I don't have a ton of intimate knowledge with the Clippers, but they weren't interested in putting Tobias in the deal. And if you're Minnesota, there's no reason to do that. Um, and because Minnesota also, excuse me, the Clippers also believe, why are we going to trade anything or any value if we can get Jimmy in the summer when we're going to have $70 million? So yeah, that's the problem with Minnesota right now and trying to move Jimmy is that Tibbs is being very stubborn about wanting to get equal value. But when have you really gotten equal value um, in a trade for a star who's on an expiring contract? Like you're always going to get pennies on the dollar or like that's just the way these things work who wants out too like I, right I, right I, who, who's demanded I, but what was the last star in the league and jimmy butler is not of the level of some of the guys that we've talked about recently that have that have won it out of places but i mean like Kawhi leonard for instance what is the last star in the league that you got equal value and and don't Carmelo. No, I don't think at the time people felt no, like you got people. I know at, at the time they didn't feel that way, but it turned out to be that the well, guys that they sent over. Nick, Nick's fans regret that now. 
Yeah, I mean, gee, the Carmelo thing was, I mean, that was Carmelo's fault because if, if he had just waited. I mean, it's a very similar situation, Carmelo. If he had was, waited, the Knicks would actually have, would have had Gallinari and all those and guys Chandler, on the team yeah. and Wilson Chandler. Yeah, yeah. they, they, well, they would have, they might have won one more game against the Heat, basically. Wow. <laughs> You're the worst. It's <laughs> okay. all right. But but look, I mean, look, don't give me Paul George either, because I nobody thought that they got fair. No, but uh, okay, no, we're not, not we're not saying what we think. That. I mean, that that ended up being something of of quality for them. So there have been examples. It's just at the time everybody bitches no, 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 and no, moans. No, but I think Ethan's point is that is at the in the time. moment. Yeah, yeah um, nobody thought Victor Oladipo was going to be what Victor Oladipo turned into. That was considered a bust contract for a, sure. A, 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 busted, yeah. a busted second round pick who. I mean, Orlando, he was given away for Serge Ibaka twice. Right. <laughs> okay, I mean, look, it's it, – no, I mean, you're not going to get fair value. And, and let, let's – look, all the reasons that, that Heat fans should be concerned about acquiring Jimmy Butler are the same reasons why the, the Wolves have no market, okay? Like, because do you want to pay a guy with that kind of tread, you know, off the tires at this stage? Uh, look what Tibbs has done to his other players – Tibbs played. Tibbs played. Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose. Thirty-year-old Derrick Rose. Okay, artificial knee. Derrick Rose played him thirty-two minutes through three quarters of a preseason game that Minnesota. Wait, it was how much? Forty. Thirty-two, 32 minutes, minutes through three quarters of a preseason game that they lost by forty. Okay, look what's happened to Joakim Noah. Noah is so broken that even Tibbs doesn't want him now. Like, look what he. Lou Dang is what thirty two years well, old. Well, he might be eighty two. I don't know. I mean, I love Lou, but I'm not exactly sure how old Lou is. But yes, look, he broke all. Well, Rose was sort of extenuating circumstances, but he clearly broke Dang and and broke. I've I've heard you say that he doesn't blame. Tibbs Deng, for that. Deng doesn't blame Tibbs for the situation that happened during the playoffs against the Heat. The spinal tap. Uh, with the spinal no, tap, he, right. No, Alou blames the, the Bulls doctors. The, the training staff, yeah. The training staff. But, but, but look what he's done to all of these other players. And now you have Jimmy Butler. And I know that, I know that look, I know that Christian has done some research on this about, you know, how his minute log is really not that great. But he has played a lot of minutes over the last four years. He's 29. When he gets to 33, you're going to be paying him 40 plus million dollars. Josh Richardson makes 42 million over four. Okay, so you're going to be paying Jimmy Butler the same amount in the fourth year at age 33 to 34 that you're paying Josh Richardson for four years. I understand why Heat fans should have reservations about that, but it's also the same reason that the Wolves have no market. Like other teams see that too. So, what other team is going to make a compelling offer? So. To me, what this is about right now, guys, is just how long can Pat wait it out for this thing to completely implode on Minnesota? Look, we've seen Tibbs teams quit. I was in, uh, was it in Cleveland? No, it was in Chicago. I was in Chicago for the last game of the 2015 playoffs against Cleveland. Remember the series where David Blatt called the timeout that he didn't have and everybody was... (laughs) Right, that Blatt was going to get fired. Good times. Series. Right. They weren't well, LeBron the bailed him out with the corner three, LeBron right? Yes. All right, so I, I covered the last three games of that series, and I was in Chicago, and I, I'm not sure I've ever totally seen a team quit before in a playoff series, except, and George, you remember this one well, except for 2007 game four against the Bulls for the Heat. <laughs> like that, like that. That, that was, no, well, actually, they quit earlier than that. Well, I they, remember having this conversation. They quit training camp, yeah, but that's true. Yeah, yeah, sure. No, but in, even in that series, I remember um, Mike Wallace and I were sitting next to each other, and I think he may have written it at the time because we heard the same thing, where Gary Payton is just spouting off at the mouth going into the locker room at halftime, and him and I guess him and Dwayne were, were going at it again. Or No, no, it wasn't with Dwayne. Nah. He, was spat, he, was, he was mad about something. I don't remember the specifics now. But Gary was literally just yelling and saying, I got my mother yep. bleeping ring. Yep. And, and <laughs> yep. The true story. So I know you people are doubting Mother Bleeper these days. I, but I believe in Mother Bleeper stories. Mike Wallace was there with me. Okay, so he heard it too. No, that that one absolutely happened, and that team compl- uh, that team came. Wait, are you saying the other one didn't happen? <laughs> no, 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 no. They both happened. I'm just joking. I'm joking. But George, I'm, I'm talking about the quitting part of this. The the uh, look look Posey and and Walker, you know, came to Camp Fat and all the rest. I mean, that that was a disaster. And they all came oh to God. Camp Fat. I used to see I used to see those guys. I mean, 2007. I was 29, 30 years old. I used to see those guys out all the time. Like, and not just going out, like going out hard, particularly Antoine. Like, it was like, whoa, like, dude, 
Like that's when listen, I've covered the NBA for a long time, but the the type of depth of how hard they were going was impressive, even in my eyes. <laughs> Antoine said in the locker room in Dallas when they won, he says, "I want to keep drinking until training camp," and he did, and beyond. Yeah. But, but look, <laughs> beyond. Oh, so back to the point here. That team completely quit. Okay, and that's that's one of the few times I've actually seen it on the floor in the playoffs. This team quit this Bulls team quit in 2015 on their home floor against Cleveland in what was perceived as a winnable series where they might have had more talent actually and that's what teams do to Tibbs okay ultimately they just it's just enough and now you have a situation where I know for a fact that Towns was unhappy last year and asked Taylor to do something you've had Butler ask for a trade you have a personal conflict between Butler and Towns okay you have Taylor and Tibbs where there's no trust there you have Adam Silver being consulted on this, and I did hear this last week, and you should follow him on Twitter, Fantel oh. underscore. Uh, he actually has tweeted a lot of this stuff, and he's been right about a lot of it, uh, all of it, actually, about the conflict between Tibbs and Taylor. So if you're, if you're Riley, you just wait at this point. Like, the damage has been done to the Heat organization already by all of this getting out and guys you know this George you know this like they hate this okay like yeah and so the damage has already been done like which by the way the, the, the one thing the one thing to Evan Cohen said text this to me um and he said the one thing that Riley admitted to in that um in that release was that they actually were trying to make a deal which is unheard of for them yeah <laughs> that's a good point ever they've never admitted that and any that's a good point no we asked Stan about that like because it, it is I mean nothing leaks out of the organization. What Stan said was interesting was he said, and we all know he has a relationship with Thibodeau. Um, so, you know, but through his brother, but what he said was um, that nothing ever gets out of the Minnesota organization either. Now, if that's the case, I mean, the floods have been open. I'm telling you guys the last two, yeah. like I know what the Minnesota writers know. Okay. And I, I know some of what they haven't totally written at this point. And they're getting stuff from everywhere. And this is what happens to bad organizations ultimately. Like, I go back to the, the Dave Wanstead years with the Dolphins, where like every assistant coach on that staff had a reporter. And we all knew who the reporter was. Like, Robert Ford had a reporter, the offensive coordinator had a reporter, the defense coordinator. Like, that's what happens. The thing starts to fracture, and everybody looks out for themselves. And that's what's happening in Minnesota right now. Now, it's never going to happen in Miami under Riley and Aris. It's just not going to happen. Um, and, but the fact, you're right, George, the fact that they even acknowledge, like, the old Heat first would not have put out a statement in any way on this if this hadn't gotten to this point. And second, like, their statement basically would have been, you know, fuck you to all of you who are asking us about it. <laughs> not like, you know what I mean? Like, it, it would not have been what it was, which was, yeah, okay, I told, basically I told Danny Ainge to fuck off. Um, sure, but I didn't tell that to Thibodeau. Like, that's, it's just totally out of character for them, and it just tells you how strange. So the damage has been done, guys. Like, they haven't, Josh Richardson's played well when he's played, so it obviously hasn't affected him that much, but they've had a weird camp with guys in and out. James Johnson hasn't been healthy. Hassan's played well. Tyler's been pretty terrible so far. It's not clear what the rotation is. I mean, the only real business they got accomplished in any sense was Ronnie Magruder has been, you know, aggressive Magruder, and I don't know if he's going to play in the regular season very much. You no, know, preseason Rodney's a thing, Ethan. It, right. Well, and we talked to Nikias about that, and Nikias, you know, said to us very straight out, like, but I don't think there's a rotation spot for him. And and as it stands now, I think he's either starting or he's not in the rotation. Like, I think it's going to be one of those two things. <laughs> but they, was so weird. But but they just they just haven't had uh, a real you know, normal training camp. So the damage is done at this point. You just wait it out. You wait for Minnesota to collapse. I don't even know. I don't even know what, if they can even start like walking back the offer. Like, you know, they, I know that they allegedly. You're George, saying Miami? Yeah. That like was my if, first thought too. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people on Twitter were thinking is Josh for just like, since the, since like if, the, if this Taylor this, left on the deal because of Thibs, he wanted to consult with Thibs for the offer before he rose the price. I, I, is Richardson on the table anymore at this point? Now that everything's kind of been public, this is before this is before everything that happened on Wednesday. Yeah, yeah. Right now, there's nothing on the table. No, but I'm just saying, like, as this as this begins to implode, and then Taylor makes a call to Riley and say, "All right, let's do business," and then Riley starts lowballing again. I, I don't know. I mean, look, I, I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and know what he's going to no, do. No, obviously, uh, yeah. But. If I were him, I would lowball them. Yes, but, if I were Riley. But, but this thing is so stupid, guys. Like, look. 
this idea of what is on the table and, and look i understand that we, <laughs> we're on twitter and we're trying to advance the story and say what's on the table and we know kind of we're who, selling podcasts ethan no, things I, have to be I, on tables I, 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 well apparently i'm ornery these days but look i should be well it's just you i should be selling anything <laughs> but 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 here's the, the thing about that okay like we're making a big deal about what's on the table what's not on the table like okay we knew generally um and actually more specifically kind of what you know, medicals, you know, teams were looking at. Okay. And we knew also what agents were talking about and other teams were talking about, about players that were out there. But the reality, you know, this guy's like, Pat could call with a completely different deal. Like Andy could call yes. with a completely different deal. And Andy's doing most of the talking, I'm sure anyway, because he does most of it. He's the one communicating with most of the GMs until it gets to a point where, you know, you get Pat involved or at some stage, maybe you get Mickey involved and maybe this is about, and I don't know what their relationship is, but maybe this is about ultimately it's we've seen this before where it's it's Mickey Harrison and Glenn Taylor are having a conversation. And, and because, look, that's happened before, too. Remember the, you know, the Riley Wade negotiations, even going back to 2015, forget 2016, you know, that yeah. required Pat to get out of the way. And Mickey, you know, basically to, you know, have a house visit with Dwayne and and sort that thing out without Henry and Pat in the room. So sometimes that may be what happens here. And so I. I don't, what's been on the table, I don't know if it's relevant for what's on the table. It doesn't matter. Right. right. Agreed. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. matter because whatever has been previously reported doesn't matter right now. Right. I do want to close the show with a little Hassan talk because The Ringer put out a story today in which he was kind of profiled. Did, did either of you read it? It was good. <laughs> I did not. I saw Haberstroh's piece. Everyone keeps saying that. That's the one I missed. Ethan, did you feel did it? I miss that. that I, was don't, actually, I don't know I how I missed that one. Piece, but I didn't read the Ringer piece because I didn't even know there was one, but I will check it out because I like their work. Um, I don't know if it was it was a Kevin O'Connor. No, no it, was, it was Haley. It was Haley. Okay. Um, I'll check it out. But yeah, I thought the Haberstroh piece was great. Um, I mean, I'm not surprised Haberstroh is great. great. Um, but the interesting part I thought about the Haberstroh piece was the Hassan wanting to work out on the beach in the dunes and no one responding initially. And it felt like Dwayne felt bad and eventually <laughs> responded on the group text. And then Rodney Magruder eventually showed up too. And that kind of goes to show you, right? Hassan like is how, me. How the teammates felt about Hassan and how that all, no, but that does, I think that shows how the guys felt about Hassan at the end last year, you know, and moving into the season. Some, it doesn't, it didn't speak, it spoke volumes to me about how they weren't necessarily happy with him. As that's, a group. A, that's interesting how you took that from that piece because from the from the ringer piece it kind of felt to me like Spo and Pat felt bad for Hassan because Pat starts talking about how people you know are pelting Hassan about the contract and and Pat's trying to make him feel better and, and Spo's trying to make him feel better and, and I'm thinking like this is are we doing this in the NBA like Pat is trying to like tell Hassan like don't worry that people are mean to you on the internet it felt very uh, yeah, yeah but listen man it's a different era right and not every guy is Right, Ethan, you and I have talked about this, right? Like, um, <laughs> when asked about um, Hassan's uh, ability to play through um, through some pain, right? We have always heard the phrase, well, he's not Udonis. Um, right? Is that fair to say? Well, I mean, not... I've heard that multiple times. I, I mean, not not even close to Udonis. Right, okay, but that's, yes, I mean... Right, I mean, but I that's mean, fair I mean, to I mean, say that we have heard blood that. Blood and never told anybody. I mean, what... Right. No, but my point is that, that that has been the phrase we've heard, right, from people before. Like, yeah. not to trash Hassan. They're not trashing Hassan. It's just the nicest way to say that he's not Udonis, right? Well... Um, so I think that that's part of it. They realize he can be a little sensitive, right? And he's... Look, whether you like it or not, man, he's the most talented player on that roster when he's right. And they have to kind of make him work because no one's willing to take I, well, on that contract. All right, I'm, I'm going to question. I thought you and I were going to go at it about the Mashburn shot tonight, but I'm going to go at it with you on this a little bit. Um, he's. I, you think he's the most talented player on the roster? I, I think he has the most. I think he has the most potential to impact a particular game. But to say someone's the most ta uh, the problem with it's the Heat clearly right now Tyler. Is, well, Who's more talented uh, than him? I, Tyler. Honestly, on, honestly, I think from a. God, if I say this, I I think I think I think it's bad. it's Winslow. It's not no, even close. No, Winslow know, is the most talented hear, player. Will you stop? Let me hear what Ethan said. No, saying. I I think I, well, this sounds like our group chat. Um, I, we're gonna put you on the group chat, George, and and you'll, no, you'll, no, 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 thank you. 
I'm okay. <laughs> you can mute it at any time, anytime now this comes on. Um, I think their most gifted player on the roster is Bam. I, I think in terms of highest yes. side. Oh, okay. Well, wait. No, but see, that to me is potential. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, I, I don't. I, I can see that because he's a 6'10 freak who can jump out of the building and can handle and, you know, does Euro steps. Uh, sure, I, I'm with you on that. But as far as I, I equate talent as impact, and impact is what I think. I think we're just arguing semantics here. But you're, um, remember, but you're remembering Hassan from 2016. Now, look, now part of it, part of it could have been the injury. And so, but, mm-hmm. but a lot of that, though, was they were not happy because they wanted him to wear a brace. And, he didn't want to wear the brace, and that right. that led to some of the freeze out from last year. I, look, the the thing about it with with Hassan is okay, and and the Heat can push back on this now if they want. All right, but you and I both know, without getting too specific here, that the way that the Heat work with the media is that certain things will not be said critically about certain players by certain people unless the Heat are okay with it. Is, can, I, can I put it that way? And and there's been a lot mm-hmm. of criticism from those corners about Hassan, and a lot of it's come from inside the building. It's not. It's honestly, George, it's come from more inside the building in a lot of ways than it has from outside the building. So I think to turn it now and to say, look, George, I wrote a column that they should max him out, okay? And somehow I've become... Which, I've become, I don't know why the hell you wrote that. But, but, but <laughs> you sure as hell weren't listening to me that day. Well I, well, I wasn't, but there were six other teams, including Dallas and Portland, that were ready. They could have had him. And Well, they maybe you could have said that, but I didn't think it was worth losing the asset. And I thought, look... In I didn't either. System, I mean, they could get the most out of him. So I don't know how I've become sort of considered the Hassan basher here. I was the one who was in favor of him staying. But a lot of the negative stuff has come from inside the organization. And honestly, it's come from teammates, as you're saying. And oh, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. it's come from teammates. And it's come from, from guys who don't think he works hard enough. There, I'll give you one anecdote, okay? With, I'm not going to say the teammate's name, all right? But... There was a situation at a hotel, all right, where, uh, where, where I guess Hassan tripped going up the escalator, which can happen to anybody. <laughs> no, but it, it just can happen. It could happen to you. It could happen to me. Whatever. And a teammate turned to somebody on the Heat staff and said, "That'll be six to eight weeks." And so, oh, no, wait, 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 oh, what? man, right there. I know you can't use the six to eight weeks because you guys trademark trouble with that. Trademarked. Yeah, sorry, justice better. Um, but. Uh, so look, it's not it's not us, okay? It, this, you know, the call is coming from inside the house on this, and can't believe you D said that. And, and it wasn't you, D. Uh, <laughs> and and so so at this point, like you know, the idea of you know rehabilitating, and I said this too. Like as soon as Pat came out with that press conference at the end of the year, like it, the re- rehabilitation of the image here was going to start, okay. And to be fair, I've heard that that Whiteside and Spolster had very good conversations this offseason. And the preseason kind of bore that they out. They do every year, though. But, but, but yeah, well, that was going to be my point, which is that happens every year. Why? Of course, because Eric is great at what he does. And Eric is also really good at getting his message across and making guys feel good about uh, their position. Um, but, you know, you're dealing with someone who, let's face it, has um, insecurity issues, and, you know, and, and I get him, right? Because he feels like he should have had stuff sooner and all that and the chip on the shoulder. But now that they've paid him, there's an expectation. Um, you know, so Pat can talk about that contract, but the expectation is that you're expected to produce when you're paid like the highest, when you're the highest paid player. That's just the reality of it. And he's had a really hard time um, doing that. And when he doesn't perform, he blames everyone but him, it seems like, at least um, from what I've seen. Well, he blames himself to a, to a point, and then it, it, it always breaks. Like that. So that's – and that's kind of what happened last year with the bullshit comments, you know, with the BS comments about, you know, not playing those minutes. But some of this is out of his control. And I'm, I'm going to do something that, again, I know goes against type, but I'm going to defend him, all right, because – uh, the reality is the league changed under his feet, guys. Like it changed under his feet. Like, uh, and but did it? Did it really though? It, it was kind of trending. Not really. Yeah, that, that would that. <laughs> it's what George says. 
Well, Spolster broke the system. Well, he, right. well, to a certain degree, he did. As, as soon as he put Shane Battier in at the four, and that works. DeAndre so was the only other guy like him in the league, but that was a that was a top offense helmed by Chris Paul. Like what Miami had down here wasn't what the Clippers had. So you know you can look at guys like Tyson Chandler who had you know relative success and like those rim rolling bigs, but they didn't have like that that had been gone, maxing out that kind of guy. I think the other thing we underutilize and under talk about is that Hassan became less athletic yeah. as time went on because of the injury. And it was obvious last season that he doesn't have the same bounce he used to. He doesn't move as well laterally as he used to. And <laughs> that hurts him a lot. Yeah, I mean, if he gets the athleticism back to any degree, I mean, his game looks different. But he's looked good in the preseason, right? Look, I think so. But but look, and I'm going to go against my original article on this. You know, at this stage, you, you can't max out, uh, you know, a big unless that big is, you know, someone like Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis. It's just it's right. It, or DeAndre Ayton, who will be that guy it, soon right. enough, I think. I mean, you just, you, it's just very difficult to do that because then you have to adjust your style to play through that big and Stan made a great point on our pod today actually about Capella because you know we were talking about Chris was asking the question about you know is that sort of the model big for the current NBA and look that's a guy that he loved loved okay and they they took Shabazz you know and we all know why and and well he's the best it. guard in the draft yeah right of course uh but they they loved Capella and now the Rockets have rewarded Capella but Stan made a point like right now yes Capella is the perfect big for the modern NBA but wait two years when he wants his touches and and so it's you know if Hassan isn't demanding touches and will do the other things that they want him to do, which is roll to the basket, which is switch on the perimeter, which is screen. Okay, well, I think he's been much better at that this this uh, preseason. His screening's been really good. Like, if he does all of those things, then fans are still going to say, and this is the thing that's unfair to Hassan, fans are still going to say, well, why isn't he giving us 18 to 22 points if he's making, you know, what's going to be 27? Well, look, I, I think the NBA fan has become way more sophisticated. There's always going to be idiots who say stuff like that. But if they understand the role, then that's different. Now, the question is, you know, Clint Capella at 85 million over how many years? Was it four or five? Four. I, don't, I think it was four. It was four? Yeah. four, I believe. Are we sure about that? I'll Google it. Um, okay. So either way, I... Wait, I, can you Google Clint, because you can't spell? So is that autocorrect? Yeah. Uh, five year, five year, ninety million dollar contract. Right. So there you have it. So basically, he got a little more than Goron. Um, so, but and how many years later he got that? Three more years, right? Mm -hmm. um, after Goron. Let's yep. compare. So, let's compare it to Tristan Thompson. Oh, oh, that's a, okay. That's oh, okay. And, and that's fine. But here's the thing: like I can tell you about a conversation I had with Mike D'Antoni during the playoffs, where we talked about Clint, and he was telling me, you know, Clint understands his role, and Clint understands that if he sets hard screens and that he rolls to the basket and he plays great defense on the perimeter uh, against the pick and roll and, and defending the rim, that he's going to make close to $100 million. And that was Mike before they had paid him. And that's exactly what happened. So, you know, I, to this notion that, you know, and, and maybe Stan's right, maybe I'm wrong about this, but at least according to Mike, that Clapella seems to understand um, how his bread is buttered. And not everybody understands that. So Hassan clearly doesn't understand that or has not wanted to understand that to this point. Um, but I don't want to make the comparison to Capella because those are two different kinds of dudes is what I'm saying. Well, Bam sure. is closer to Capella in terms of personality. For sure. And I also, but Bam is going to, i got a, a way higher ceiling than Capella in my opinion. Agree. Actually, Bam's rookie year, if you look at the numbers for his rookie year, they were slightly better because Capella didn't play his first year. Dwight was there. Right. Uh, Capella's, Capella's second year and Bam's first year are comparable with Capella a year older at that stage. I, like, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm all, I'm all in on Bam Adebayo. Like, I, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm totally – and the fact that Zoe yes. loves him, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, it, it, to me, is a – I mean, that's a huge endorsement. I, we've seen a lot of really bad bigs come through Miami. Like, Zoe would not get behind a guy. What's that? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. And, and by the way, one of the few things I've gotten right from a personnel standpoint is I was all in on Capella. I'm a Capella stan. I may change my Twitter name to that, Capella stan. Um, because if you go back on my, on my timeline, you'll see that I was saying, like, Capella should be playing over Dwight and that they're not going to miss Dwight, that Capella's a better fit. And all of that stuff worked itself out because Dwight, like Stan said, wanted more touches. He wanted to be... Um, the more conventional low, low post run through right. him inside he out. Want, well, because he heard for all these all this time that he couldn't do some of that stuff, right? 
Uh, I remember um, Stan's brother one time um, <laughs> criticizing Dwight and saying he had rudimentary offensive skills. Um, you know, when he, when, I believe when Dwight was in Houston. So, and he's right. Look, Jeff was right. Like, he's not wrong about that. Uh, but that is Dwight wanting something more than what he was capable of. And it sounds like that is similar to what Hassan has been going through. But I don't think Capella is that guy, is what I'm saying. I don't think this offense is really built for Hassan because they're so lacking in shooters and they don't necessarily play in space and they don't play quick. So if you don't have the shooters, you can pump up the pace to kind of create a little space. Spolster teams don't traditionally play very fast and they don't have enough shooters. So Hassan is constantly... Now, part of it is his fault for not setting good screens and stuff, but it's 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 a little difficult for a guy like him to find easy baskets when you're playing like you know you can help off Dwayne you can help off Justice you can help off JJ and I think that kind of hurts what, him. You can help off Justice? You what? You guys said that? Well, really? I mean, like he did shoot thirty eight percent from three. He did shoot thirty eight percent, but it was like off one point three no, attempts. I, I, no, I get it, but but the other thing that Goran told us too when we had him on, is, and Goran's not a great pick and roll passer. Well, like, he does, he doesn't want to push anymore as much. Like he he's I mean we kind of talked to him about that because Goran always used to be the one push 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 push. And he said, yeah, I've kind of gotten used to the half-court thing a little bit. Like, this is a half-court team for the most part. Um, yes. But they've always been, even when LeBron was here, like, I know that all the talk of pace and space, but they were never... It was off their transition. It was in transition. There, I think the highest pace they did was, like, 14 or 13 yeah, or something like that one always. year. LeBron teams are always yeah. that, though. Like, that, I think that's a LeBron and a Spolster thing. Cause well, this year will be different for LeBron. I think that... that he better play fast because they don't have any shooters. It's going to be a disaster if they don't well, play fast. Well, I don't, I don't agree with that either. They actually yeah, have better shooters right. than you think. Um, I know Lonzo, Lonzo showed up and... and uh, no, no, the Lonzo. I wasn't even talking about Lonzo. Yeah, I mean, Josh like, Josh Hart Josh is Hart. a 40 three-point shooter. Um, pretty well the second half of last season. Right, and Kuzma can shoot 36-37%. Brandon Ingram's a 36-37% guy. They don't have as bad as shooters as you think. Uh, I actually think they have better shooters than Miami does outside of Ellington for sure. Uh, but as a collective, they're better than Miami too, I believe. That was one of my issues with the potential Butler trade when when people were talking Richardson and Olenek for Butler. And I'm like, oh my God, the Heat will have the worst shooting team in the league. Like, Full booth offense. Right. I, I mean, it, it'd just be Ellington because, the, I mean, the second and third best shooters on this team, uh, again, because I don't know how much Rodney's going to play. Are you know are Olenek and Richardson, and so if you're going to take <coughs> and add a guy who's not a, a real good three point shooter in Butler, it's just really difficult to figure out where the space is going to come from. I mean, my sort of a summary on Hassan here, like I, I don't think we're ever going to see him do what he did to earn the contract, but I also think he can. I think he's going to be a lot better than he was last year. I, I do. I think I, so too. I think he'll be an oh, all star. I think so too. I do. As much as I've been critical of him, I do think that's the case too. All star, George. All star. I don't know about that. Let's see. I got, I got him in the all star game. He's rotting. All star. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, right. That's true. Um, but I, look, I trust Eric, man. Like at the end of the day, I trust Bo to get the most out of every single guy on this roster. I mean, think about it. Like. Even last season, when Hassan was being a pain in the you-know-what, um, I think Eric still maximized him, even with that injury, um, and, and maximized the center position, uh, despite the turmoil um, that was brewing there with Hassan. So as long as Eric's there, like I trust that they're going to be fine. Do you trust the Sposas? <laughs> I do. I do. Mark your calendars. On Wednesday, October 17th, Miami Heat Beat is hosting a party that you won't want to miss. Come out and watch the Miami Heat take on the Orlando Magic in their regular season opener, poolside at Duffy's in North Miami. There will be prizes, drink specials, and more. At halftime, you might get the chance to compete in the first ever Spelling G. Go head-to-head -head in a spelling contest with Heat Beat host Gianni for your chance to win a free t-shirt. I'd say your chances are pretty good on this one. I'm not so sure he can even spell t-shirt. So come out and meet some of your favorite Heatbeat personalities, as well as other members of 5 Reason Sports. That's Wednesday, October 17th, poolside at Duffy's, 3969 Northeast 163rd Street, North Miami Beach. Tip-off is at 7 p.m. You can't beat your chance to meet Heatbeat. 
Hey, Drew, so October is here, and in my mind, that means only one thing. It is almost time for my favorite event of the year, and no big surprise, but it's an O.J. McDuffie party. Hey, you know it, Big Seth. The 17th Annual Signature Grand Ghoul presented by Calvin Giordano and Associates will take place on Monday, October 29th, and once again benefits 211 Broward, an amazing charity. We are transforming the Signature Grand into a 100,000-square-foot mansion for the sickest Halloween costume party in South Florida. And this costume party is for the grown folk, Big not people. the kids, mm-hmm. yeah. We're talking open bar, amazing food, dancing, silent auction, and of course, contests and prizes for the most incredible costumes. And since the fish tank will be all up in the ghoul, as will a bunch of other hosts from our Five Reasons Sports family, let's do a little something special for the listeners. So what we need you to do is post a photo in your all-time greatest Halloween costume, tag your favorite Five Reasons Sports podcast, and use the hashtag DiveIntoTheGhoul. And the top four costumes will have a chance to win two tickets to the Signature Grand Ghoul on that October 29th. For more information on how you can join OJ and me at the Signature Grand Ghoul, visit 211-Broward.org and call 954-390-0493 and ask for Tracy. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.